Oh, my God. Hello? Hello, mother. <laughs> hey, I just, post, I just posted a great video. What did, on Instagram? Coconuts. Coconuts? Uh, yeah, I just, I just, just now did it. It sounds yeah, like you were on the beach. I am on the beach. I mean, I sent the picture. I'm just on it. And, and there are coconuts in these trees. From The Cut and Gimlet Media, this is The Cut on Tuesdays. I am your host, Molly Fisher. We've been planning some mom-related content for this week and next, so we decided I should probably call my mom. Can I explain, like, the concept for— Okay, sorry, man. So— we have a lot of Mother's Day plans. And I want to, well, you and I have Mother's yeah. Day plans. You're going to be here in New York. Yeah. But we on the show have Mother's Day plans. We have a lot of thoughts about moms, but they sort of broadly split into be kind. two. Oh, be yeah. Kind. Yes. We'll be kind to the moms. Be kind to the moms. But like, you kind of have on one hand the question of having a mom, being someone who is the child of a mom and how you relate to your mom. And then on the other hand, you have the question of becoming a mom and what it's like to think about being a mom. So part one of our Mother's Day extravaganza is becoming a mom, how people think about becoming a mom, having a baby, what that's like. Yeah. How did you think about having kids when you were younger? Well, I didn't think about it at all, ever, when I was younger. Really? What do you mean? I I didn't think I could do medical school, residency, be a doctor, do any of it, and have a partner or kids. So I thought I would I would be a doctor. And then I realized, hey, I can have a baby too. You could have three of them. I could. And I wish I could have had six, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what advice do you have for me, mom? <laughs> Get at it. <laughs> About two years ago, my mom stopped trying to hide how thirsty she is for grandchildren. I don't want to be on a mammary care unit when you have your child. <laughs> I want to be able to be there and to help with your with your children and give you breaks. And I won't be bossy, I promise. Hmm. You happen to be very fortunate. You have a mother who has said every summer, and in fact, I ask you to sign in blood, every summer you should bring the kids to me and I will take them for the summer. You will have alone time, guaranteed. <laughs> I appreciate what my mom is doing here. It's very kind. At the same time, though, I know, even with an extremely eager, prospective grandmother waiting in the wings, having a baby is not easy. It's the kind of change that upends everything else in your life. It reshapes the way you understand yourself. It is, in other words, a perfect time to talk to a therapist. And Dr. Alexandra Sachs is probably the perfect therapist to talk to. She's a reproductive psychiatrist, and in her practice, she helps women as they navigate new motherhood. It's an urgent moment in time where people are compelled to work on their own psyches. Mm -hmm. We often think that that that's an indulgence, or we sort of just push it away. But there's something about being responsible for a child that really compels people to say, I need to do this emotional work now. Women come to Alexandra with all kinds of problems because having a baby brings to the surface all the other issues that might normally spur a person to go to therapy. Stuff with your parents or your partner or your career. It all feels more urgent when you add a baby to the equation. Alexandra's got a new podcast where you can listen in on the kind of conversations that she has in her practice, the kinds of problems women bring to her, 
and the guidance that she gives them. It's called Motherhood Sessions. And this week, we wanted to share Alexandra's conversation with one of those women. We'll call her Anne. She told herself that she never wanted to have kids. She told her husband that as well. But he wanted kids. Mm. She told me that she she wanted to believe him and her parents, people who were saying, you'll like it. Just just wait and see. Yeah. But she's coming in. She has a two-year-old, and she says, I don't like it. It never happened. It being? The wanting to be a mom. Yeah. I am a mom, but I never wanted to be a mom. It almost seems taboo to put it so bluntly. I have a kid, but I still don't want to be a mom. And like Anne told Alexandra, it's the kind of thing that everyone swears will never happen. Whatever doubts you have beforehand, they're supposed to disappear once you finally got a baby in your arms, even if you're touching another person's poop every day and never sleep. But what if the doubts don't go away? I think my story is just, in terms of motherhood, is just I never really wanted to be a mother. Um, I never cared for kids. I never wanted children. Um... Now that I have a kid, I do know now that I I think I would have been perfectly fine without having a child. Um, but I fell into the pressure of everyone telling me that I should or um, that I'm going to change my mind and that um, life's so much better with kids. You know, like, I, so I, like, I think I convinced myself to think that the way I'm thinking was wrong. wrong. And so I think um, it really is just good to just talk to a professional in terms of just, like, how to cope with it. That's where Anne had found herself. Here she is, in conversation with Dr. Alexandra Sachs. Any sort of, like, life with kids, and I think, I guess when I think back on, like, growing up, it looked difficult to me. I didn't see, like, any real excitement and joy to be a parent. Um, you know, I had a good childhood. I grew up happy and loved, and... So to be a to be a kid, it was great, but like to, for me to see the role of a parent, yeah, was very um, overwhelming and just like it felt very like sacrificial and like suffering. Think about your mom, or yeah, I think about my mom and just my aunts. In what way did you see them suffering? Because I saw that they were prioritizing everyone else besides them. So right. they're the ones waking up in the morning and cleaning the house and cooking and. Um, spending the money that they have on their children for their husbands, like, you know, people around them and not not really taking care of themselves. And that's why I was so uninterested in being a parent. And, I, and I, I'm one of those people who are very open about never wanting kids and telling people that I found babies annoying. Like, I laugh at all, like, the baby, like, jokes you listen to in comedies about, like, Anything negative about babies, like, that was me. That was that person. Yeah. Who, who, like, tell me about some conversations where you said to someone, I don't want to have kids. What did they say? Like, how did it, how did the conversation go? When I talk to other people who do have kids or older generations, they, they go out of their way to tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm going to change my mind. And that just frustrated me more. That just got me more angry and it made me want to just, like, not have kids even more. Like, yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that really has affected me was the fact that I did have a kid and all everyone around me is just like, well, I told you, you changed your mind. And I was like, I think that would that upset me the most in terms of just like, I still believe wholeheartedly that I didn't want children. Yeah. It's just a matter of just life just happened and I ended up getting pregnant and 
loving my child was easy. It's It was fine. Um, I think it was a mix of, like, hormones and loving the child and then, like, like utter obligation to feel like I have to be a parent um, and take care of her. It's just hard to tell people that. I think it might help if we can figure out how you got here. Do you mind telling me a little bit about your family, where you grew up, or your parents? Yeah, my mom, um, they're both Korean. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a brother and a sister who are both older. And I was mostly raised by my mother. So my father passed away when I was eight, I mm-hmm. believe. But he was not um, in her life only because he had moved to L.A., for most of my life, just to see if he can get started there. And then he was going to make enough money to move us to L.A., but then he passed away before that could happen. Wow. Um, in, in honesty, I think he was just kind of like a get-rich-quick kind of guy, right? So he um, he just, like, kind of ran my mom in debt after he passed away. So she was just ended up with all his debt. And um, so we lived in a pretty, like, low-income yeah. style life. And- my mom had an array of different jobs, but she always made me feel very, like, provided and, and any, in any sort of situation. I n- never felt unloved from her. She took her. good care of you. Yeah, and it was, like, 100%, like, sacrifice. Like, she does nothing for herself. You know, she's, like, an immigrant mom. Like, she's, like, you know, working really hard to get paid with a low salary, but then still managing to, like, scrimp and save and to just provide for us. So I remember, like, going out with friends with of a different culture, and they went shopping. And the mom was, like, taking things off the hangers and, like, putting things on. And I was like, this is strange. Like, my mom never shopped when she, for herself when she went growing up. And that is pretty much how it was, like, how I envisioned what a parent is or what motherhood is. Yeah. And so um, for me, that was— that You're was like, no, thank you. Yeah, that is, like, I can't. I can't do that. And I know, because I'm really hard on myself, is mm-hmm. that I know— if I didn't do it that way, then I'll always feel like I'm not being a good mother. Mm-hmm. When did you move out of your mom's house? I didn't move out until after I found a full-time job in the advertising industry. And during that time, you know, when money was a little bit more free-flowing, it was like partying every day. Like we were just like out having fun. You know, yeah. like you have salespeople with like expense expense checks. And <laughs> Did you enjoy that? Did you, do you look back at that as being a happy time? It was. It was. I met. Um, I met my husband. Yeah. In that industry. Yeah. How'd you <laughs> meet? He was. He was. Uh, he was at, at that agency that I worked at. What did you like about him off the bat? He was just really sweet. Like he was just nice and easy to talk to, and um, he has like totally has the physique that I want, which is like slight and cute. <laughs> you know. And what's his What's his background? Is he from New York? He's from, he's from Jersey. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's pretty much like an East Coast guy. Is he Korean? No, he's not. He's Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and did it get serious pretty fast? or? Wow. I honestly just wanted to have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one that was more like, I don't want to continue this unless it's serious. And I was uh. just like, I was just like, oh my God, are you kidding? Like, I just wanted to have fun. I'm like young and what, 21 at the time or 22. So you wanted more adventure and experience. I did. But he, um, he convinced me. So, and, and here we are, I think 12 years. How in. did he convince you? Pretty much giving me that, not an ultimatum, but saying that, like, I, you know, I, re- I really want to take this ser- more seriously. Yeah. It's not like I'm just having fun because oh, he's, that's not his style. And when you were dating and then early marriage, did you guys talk 
I imagine you did talk about your future and what you wanted. Yes. So what did you what did you talk about? Oh, uh, kids were probably the biggest thing, right? Um, before we got engaged, I told him like if you have to be really, really aware. I told him you have to be really, really aware that I will not ever want to have children. Whoa, specific. And he just thought I was really going to change my mind. He did. So you're like, you need to know. Yes, I Before did. we get engaged yeah. that I do not want to have children. Yes. You said something to yes. that effect. Yeah. I'm like, this is like really important to me. Like, I really don't think I'll change my mind. And he said, okay. He's totally fine by that. But then he realized like, deep inside he was hoping that I would change my mind. So how, how did you end up a mother? Uh... <laughs> I fell into pressure. I think at the end of the day, I really did. I um, I think I know now, now that I have a kid, I do know now that I I think I would have been perfectly fine without having a child. Um, but I fell into the pressure of everyone telling me that I should or um, that I'm going to change my mind and that um, life's so much better with kids. You know, like, I, so I, like, I think I convinced myself to think that the way I'm thinking was wrong. Wrong. So, um... I'm mad at myself at that, you know, in terms of just, like, having, you know, almost feeling like I was weak to, wasn't strong enough to stand my ground. Yeah. You know. But, you know, now I'm, like, now I do have a kid. I can't turn back time. Right. Um, and, I, and I know now, like, I think right. really deep inside it didn't. I, I would have been perfectly fine without. Yeah. Do, you, without. do you know what about this is making you cry as you talk about it? I guess just the life that I don't have anymore and that I am, um, and I'm upset about, like, not standing my ground or, like, not being true to myself. Yeah. I think that's um, a constant battle I face. I may feel like this is, like, an ultimate thing, like, the ultimate choice of really showcasing, like, who I am in terms of, like, being true to myself. Yeah. And it wasn't. So, now that Anne's made a choice she can't take back, what is she supposed to do? After the break, Alexandra and Anne talk about how she can start being true to herself. Welcome back. This week, we're listening in on a conversation between Dr. Alexandra Sachs, a reproductive psychiatrist who specializes in working with moms, and Anne, who's struggling with being a mom, something she never thought she wanted to be. When you're out with your husband on a date, do you feel connected to your old life? Oh, yeah. We do. And I do feel bad sometimes because sometimes I enjoy it so much. Like, now, like, when I'm out and she's not with me, like, it's so easy for me to just, like, put that, like, baby stuff aside and, like, enjoy my life. But that's exactly what you're supposed to do. But I feel terrible. I really do feel terrible. Why? I don't know. I just feel like I should want to, like miss my baby or like want to come home to her and instead I'm just like I just like get sad that like I only have like small little blips of of this past life so like in the beginning it was hard for me to even do it because I would go out and I would be enjoying myself but then I would be hit with an an immense amount of sadness that like it's such a small fleeting moment and this is not my real life my real life is back at home with this baby. Well, actually, that's not true. It is your real life when you go on a date with your husband. It's really happening in your real life. <laughs> yeah, to me, it just feels so separate, you know? I don't know. I just... So both are true. 
we're talking about how to integrate these two parts of you. Mm -hmm. The part of you that loves your daughter and is a mother and has her in your life. And the part of you, how many, how old were you when you had a baby? 33. So the 33 (laughs) years of you that have nothing to do with her. Mm. We want to still make room for that person. Yeah. And and we're going to kind of walk through also how you can take on the job of being a mom Mm -hmm. in a more flexible way. Right. Right. I don't know. I also, I I guess it's also just a guilt thing too, just in terms of just, I don't feel like I should be leaving her. This is my role now. And guilt why? Because I'm not being that like vision of what I think a mom should be, I guess. I guess that's the thing I'm kind of curious about is that vision of how you think a mom should be is from your mom, right? Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. But there are so many other ways in which you've chosen to carve out a life that looks different from your mother's. Mm-hmm. You had a faithful, stable, financially responsible, risk-averse mm-hmm. guy by your side mm-hmm. from a different culture mm-hmm. entering into so so and yet in your mind you said nope, but in motherhood I will duplicate her experience. I think so, yeah. So yeah. explain that to me. Yes, but I think that like I think the one thing that she did do right was show how good of a mom she was. Like I never doubted her as a as a mother. Would you like to duplicate for your daughter the feeling that you had with your mother? I think so. Yes. Yeah. What do you want to duplicate? The feeling that, like, I unconditionally loved her. Yeah. You felt that way with your mom. Yeah. So that felt really good. Yeah. That I wasn't, like, you know, I was choosing her as a priority over anything else, really. Yeah. What do you think brings tears? Because sometimes I don't want that, you know? Right. But I think... I think you're torn because um, it's not so simple that you feel obligated to perform the way your mother did. And that's you would feel guilty that you're a bad person if you didn't do that. And that's why you're doing this. I think it's also from what you just said that you felt loved mm-hmm. and the way your mother treated you felt good. Mm-hmm. And that you want your daughter to feel loved and good the way you did in your childhood. Mm-hmm. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Of course you do. Of course yeah. you you want your daughter to feel loved and good. But as you know, there's more than one way to have a family. There's more than one way for children to feel loved. Your husband was raised entirely different than you. Mm-hmm. You know that that was an okay alternative for him. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But in your mind, if you imagine your daughter being raised differently, mm-hmm. the thought is that it would feel bad to her. It would feel... Yeah, or I guess it's it's all I really know how to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I could observe how people were loved differently and know that that was still good, too. Yeah. But I don't know how to do that. That still doesn't make me comfortable in that scenario. Yeah. I'm worried that what I'm going to do is wrong. Because you only have two categories in your mind right now. The perfect or the appropriate um, sacrificing mother and then a bad mother. You only have two categories in your mind right now. That's how you're thinking about it. So, of course, that risk is too high. And it's virtually impossible to take that risk. But that is a... 
function of your mind, you're viewing your choices as only having black or white, that's actually not reality. Yeah. You're more con- – those two parts of you are more connected. Maybe you love your daughter. I think you do. Yeah, I truly, I, do. I genuinely see it on your face. I yeah. genuinely feel it. You love your husband. I can feel both of those things by how you talk about them. And I think you also really don't like a lot of aspects of the job and role of parenting. Mm-hmm. What if it continues to be like that? You have moments of happiness and moments where you're like, well – This is a very challenging job. I don't like that. (laughs) I think that's the thing is I I was fully aware of that is pretty much what a life is like as a parent. And that's not what I wanted. Like, I didn't want the ups and downs. Like, that's not Mm -hmm. ideal for me. I think your downs are way too low because of how rigid the rules are that you're putting on yourself in those moments Mm -hmm. for how it's like there's only one way that's going to go well. And Mm -hmm. you're failing because it's not that way. So you are beating yourself up. You're miserable. You're Mm -hmm. panicked. You're panicked about something happening to your daughter because there's only one way for her to turn out. So that's what we have to work on. Yeah. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. But I think you can hold on to your ups. And I think we can raise the threshold of your downs a lot. In your life right now, what are the things, the experiences in your parenting mm-hmm. during the week that you really dread? Uh, right now, it's the eating. <laughs> so tell me about that. So she's, um, when we first started giving her solids, like four four months, um, to like maybe about nine months, she mm-hmm. was amazing. Like she ate whatever we gave her. Mm-hmm. But now recently, she's become a lot more picky. And so mm-hmm. it became like an enjoyable thing. What was an enjoyable thing is no longer an enjoyable thing. And now I just, like, kind of dread having to feed her. And I can't help but just be disappointed. She said she's not a good eater. So this is a good example. You had an expectation Mm -hmm. of how it was going to go with your daughter learning about food and experiencing food and relating to food. And you, you had a very fixed goal. So first things first, you're in trouble if there's... If, you, if you're walking into a parenting experience with <laughs> any expectation that's that specific. Right. I want her to, like, throw me a bone. Like, I feel like there's always seems to be, like, a challenge. And it, it is a process. So now I know that, like, okay, she's not one of those babies that just eats anything. So now I do have to, like, constantly think about how to get her there and, like, have to, like— take all these steps to get her to not become, like, a, essentially a p- picky eater. And, like, I don't want to do all these additional things. Yeah, but we got to keep talking about that because it's not her job to throw you a bone. She's a baby. I know. Yeah. It's her job to grow. Mm-hmm. Not to be empathically related to other people's needs. <laughs> right. This is really about – this is so many – it's about so many things. It's such a great example. I think at the top of it is is about your trusting yourself more mm-hmm. because things things don't have to be boxes that you check off and say, check, done. I think that's a difficulty for me. Like you did, you kind of like really touched on it in terms of like, I do see it as a checklist. Like I have to just like, even in the beginning of when she was younger, like, that is kind of what I wanted. Like, I wanted to check off, oh, she's a good napper. Oh, she's she's sleeping through the night. Like, I wanted to do that in terms of, instead of seeing it as a long-term goal, I wanted to be much more short-term, short-term so I can see, like, 
the results. Yeah. Um, I was just, like, drilled to be responsible and, like, disciplined. And, like, that's that's the hard thing, too, because I think for me, and it's, like, um, it's either 100% or right. Right. it's a failure. Right. Like, what do you like, want? What's your what's your what's your finished product you're working towards with her? I mean, I want her to be a successful, independent woman. Um, I kind of want her to be almost like better than me in terms of just like standing her ground, making decisions for herself, and achieving things. Being just being successful, yeah. and I don't want her to have like the suffering burden feelings that yeah. I that I feel. Yeah. So. Well, that's great because that gives her lots of wiggle room to like be a. Right. <laughs> if she if she's at times an imperfect eater, you're <laughs> apparently you're okay with that. But I think, I really think that the best way to put her on the path to being a successful young woman who can listen to her voice and hear it and follow through and choose joy and not suffering. I really think the best way to convey that to her is by modeling it yourself. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, but it's I can't. I'm. Oh, it's yeah. hard to so do. We're going to talk more about that because, it, as you know, your mom didn't tell you you have to suffer. You have to suffer. She she just modeled it, and you you know the power of a parent's example. Mm-hmm. You're modeling this sacrificing, suffering behavior. And you're also modeling behavior, which is like, you know, it's all or nothing. You're either a success or a failure. So a psychologically healthier way to parent Mm -hmm. is by modeling exactly what you want to model, which is being able to listen to your own voice, Mm -hmm. being able to choose. You have to push yourself Mm -hmm. to take those moments to do things that make you happy, um, and take some space from her um, so that you can enjoy yourself a little bit more. That's part one. Part two is when you're momming, you need to do some work to identify when you're having these thoughts where there's only one right way to do it. There's only one right way for her to have dinner is to eat the full plate of vegetables. Eating, Eating half the plate of vegetables is a failure. Whenever there's a model in your mind of it has to go this way and you're panicked about failing, remind yourself that parenting is not about looking at your own reflection in the mirror. It's not about looking in the mirror and seeing, am I a good mom or a bad mom? Mm -hmm. It's about looking at the person who is your child Mm -hmm. and seeing what's going on with them. Yeah, and I think that's what I've, in this past year, that's what I've learned. Like, it's like not black and white. And then yeah. I have to just be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> with like the okay, yeah. like things are just okay. But like that was very, that's still very difficult for me. Yeah, it's good to hear it, and I, and I understand it. Again, I just, just, but you have to live it. Yeah, this is, and therapy does not work by getting like big ideas. It works by living through it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and again, it's just, yeah, and I think. I think it's okay for us to wrap up with a feeling of uneasiness. It just takes time to live through change. Mm-hmm. We're not going to solve it. We're not going to wrap it up in a bow today, but that's mm-hmm. that's real. Mm-hmm. It takes living through and feeling it out. And I think you can do it. I really do. I hope so. I'm going to try 
it, yeah, I'm gonna try. For anyone else out there who's working through the aftermath of a big decision, Alexandra has an important piece of advice. What do you say to someone who is expressing real regret over a decision like becoming a parent? I think when someone says, I regret becoming a parent, I would simply turn to ask them, well, what are you missing from your life that you were hoping that you'd have right now? Mm -hmm. And how are you going to get it? I mean, none of us get the life we want. None of us get everything we want, you know, and that's your life. You don't get to choose everything. And so I think to take some pressure off of yourself, if you're imagining that you could have had the perfect life if you didn't have a baby, then you're not oriented to all of the things that would have unfolded in your life had you not have children that would have also been frustrating and disappointing. That would have also kept you from the perfect life. Right. It's reassuring, actually. No matter what you do, you definitely will not have a perfect life. No decision you can make will change that. In other words, if some things suck, it is not in fact a sign that you ruined everything. So you can let yourself off the hook a little. To hear more from Dr. Alexandra Sachs, check out Motherhood Sessions. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back to you next week when we flip our focus from being a mom to being a daughter and all the ways you can screw that up. That's it for this week's show. We'll see you next Tuesday. The Cut on Tuesdays is produced by Sarah McVie and Olivia Natt. Our senior producer is Kimmy Regler. We're edited by Stella Bugby and Lynn Levy. Mixing is by Emma Munger and Ben Lapidus. Music is by Emma Munger and Haley Shaw. Our theme song is Play It Right by Amelia Meath, Nick Sanborn, Molly Sarlay, and Alexandra souser Monig. Special thanks this week to Peter Bresnan and Nazanin Rafsanjani. The Cut on Tuesdays is a production of Gimlet Media and The Cut.